Plus, then your feet start to smell after that, and just well, you're, you're, yeah, you're, it's just uncomfortable. Yeah. I mean, it, it's no one should be forced to go through and and endure that kind of punishment. Thanks for checking out this podcast. Remember, it's presented by Minnesota's very own Ticket King. If you're looking for tickets for an upcoming game or event at TCF Bank Stadium, Target Center, or XL Center, visit TicketKingOnline.com or the link from the 1500ESPN.com sports calendar page. Ticket King has all your tickets for Minnesota baseball, plus all the concerts, all the theaters, and at all venues. And Ticket King can take care of you for out-of-town concerts, sporting events, and more. Call 612-341-4141 or visit TicketKingOnline.com. I can't tell you how much I enjoyed saying touch them all. Way back and done! Touch them all, Joe Maurer! And now these guys are making it relevant to this year's Twins. It's a beautiful horrible game. Now our two resident hardball nerds will attempt to touch them all on the week's news surrounding the Twins in MLB. I didn't know they still had a team. That's baseball. Here's Phil Mackey and Derek Wetmore. Right on par with the no-show socks that slide down into the bottom of your shoe. An actual worse feeling. I don't know if we've talked about this before. I apologize if we have. I apologize, quite frankly, for everything we've ever talked about on this show. (laughs) Right. It is a Twins podcast, after all. Um, having socks on your feet that are wet, like with sweat or no, just like like how much wet, you... wet socks. You might have hyperhidrosis if by the time you're done wearing shoes and socks for the day. No, step in a step in a puddle or you get snow in your boots yeah. and you're out digging a snow fort so you can't go inside to change your socks. Having wet socks is one of the worst feelings. That plagues the human condition. Plus, then your feet start to smell after that, and just well, you're, you're, yeah, you're, it's just uncomfortable. Yeah. I mean, it, it's no one should be forced to go through and and endure that kind of punishment. That's yeah. my philosophy. I'm telling you, I used to. So I usually wear these slip-on Vans in the summer, and uh, we should do a Vans endorsement on this podcast. Yeah, Vans, if nice. you're listening, <laughs> right. you'd be a perfect fit for the Touch Them All podcast. <laughs> and all we would ask for is the no-show socks that I have stumbled upon myself. I used to wear Vans, and the problem is because I wouldn't wear socks with my Vans, after about a year, they just get kind of, you know, if, you're, if your feet are summertime and you're out and about. And, and you have you, hyperhidrosis. Right, it's terrible. Then your, your shoes start to smell. you got to ditch them after a year. Yeah. Well, now that I've found these magical no-show socks with the adhesive on the heel, I'm thinking I might be able to get an extra 6 to 12 months out of my Vans. Okay, Life-changing. So, it's amazing. Yeah, I've really hit the jackpot this summer. Speaking things you worry about when the twins are crappy, <laughs> right? And I was no just, show socks. I was going to bring it back by saying, speaking of things that people should not be forced to endure, let's talk about the 2016 twins a little bit, shall we? <laughs> you know what? Can we start with this? Because we we I brought this up with Judd on our daily radio show today. Sure. I have Chicago Cubs envy like no other. I'm looking over at it's like you got into a marriage with the twins, and you thought things were great last year. Things are going in the right direction. You've worked on your communication, and you went on a couple. You renewed your vows last yeah. year. Took you a know, trip together to make did, sure like oh, the whole traveling right. thing was working. Yeah, it was amazing. You've no longer did you get in the same fights you used to get in, sure. and then something colossal happens. Um, I don't know if we cheated on the twins or vice versa, but I'm definitely thinking about the Cubs a lot right now. <laughs> right. And and I and I went so far as to pull up. 
the Cubs double and triple A rosters on our show today. Okay. You would not believe the players the Cubs have no room for because their 25-man roster is so ridiculous. So, like, Chris Bryant, we're recording this on a Tuesday. Chris Bryant hit three home runs and two doubles last night. The Cubs scored a bunch of runs again. They're the best team in baseball. They got the best front office now in baseball. Everything. They started off rebuilding with Theo Epstein. And they've got not only the best roster in baseball with a pitching staff that's one through five lights out, they probably have a top three farm system still of players who either have just broken into the big leagues or have yet to surface. Wow. If I go up and down right now, I'm going to give you some players that the Cubs the Cubs are looking down at in double and triple A and saying, I mean, I don't I don't know what to tell you. Well it's like I'm it's sorry. like what the twins always say, you've got to create your opportunity, go earn it kind of a thing. Yeah. The Cubs actually mean it. We know that you've totally earned this, but we only have 25 guys that we can put on the field. Like the Cubs right now, Javier Baez plays three or four different positions. Javier Baez would be a starting shortstop, second baseman, or third baseman for almost every team in baseball, and he would hit, at age 23, he'd probably hit 25 home runs in a full season. He'd slug. He'd hit a bunch of doubles. But they're playing him three or four days a week wherever they can as a super utility guy because... And they've got Zobrist as a super utility guy. Right. And Addison Russell as a super, like all these guys. So Dan Vogelbach, fourth round pick from a few years ago. He's 23 years old, AAA Iowa Cubs. Dan Vogelbach in 297 plate appearances, so about a half season. Half season. 15 bombs, 55 RBIs, almost as many walks as strikeouts, 313 average and a 428 OBP with a 568 slugging percentage. Sorry, Dan. Huh. There's nowhere to put that. Apparently, wow. that's incredible. And what league is that? I don't. I don't have that in front of me. Uh, that's the know. same league as is Rod. No, is it, that might be PCL. That's the PCL. PCL. So, so numbers are going to be inflated yeah, a little bit. Offensive in the PCL. numbers probably up a little bit, but it doesn't. I mean, you can't fake that. You can't fake uh, 30 homer pace, 100 RBIs. Right. You can't fake a 428 OBP with mm-hmm. just as many walks as strikeouts. Those are. Legit indicators. So, frankly, I've fallen off the map in terms of following prospects. I used to be very glued in, and I would read, you know, the top 100, and at least the top 50 guys I would have my own opinion about. Based on, of course, not scouting, but reading and looking at their stats pages and that. I got to tell you, I didn't know who Vogelbach was. I I don't do that as closely anymore. Well, he wasn't, so I'm not it wasn't saying, like a first round pick. Yeah, yeah, a fourth round guy. Yeah. But I'm just saying that he can be having that tremendous of a year, and I've sort of fallen off the prospect wagon to the point because I've just uh, there's a lot to pay attention to in the major leagues too. And uh, well, how about how about this guy, Arizmendi Alcantara, 24 years old, Triple A Iowa Cubs. So Alcantara, now he played some for Double A, I believe, but he has 21 stolen bases without being caught, a 4.37 slugging percentage for I believe I believe he's an infielder. And uh, and also has five triples, five homers, and nine doubles in 213 plate appearances. Sorry, buddy. Yeah. Nowhere to put you. Let's go down to the Double A Cubs. This is so. If you're a Twins fan right now, this is like you're looking through. You're you're sick of your wife right now, and you're on a naughty website. You're on IowaCubs.com. Okay. <laughs> you're looking up and down. I don't like where this metaphor is going, but <laughs> I, I'll entertain you for a little while. The 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 Cubs Double A affiliate. So, again, you're a lights-out pitcher, and you're looking to climb the ladder. And not only is there no room for you on the 25-man roster, the Iowa Cubs have no room for you. Paul Blackburn and Brad Markey have both pitched a half season. They both made 14 or 15 starts with 234 earned run averages. And these guys can't get a whiff up the ladder, 22 and 24 years old. 
So, like, meanwhile, the twins are jettisoning. I, I saw this. One of my buddies who uh, – I'm not going to reveal who this is, but had, used to have ties with the Tampa Bay Rays. And he sent me – he follows some Rays media members. And he, uh, and, and he sends me a DM with an image of one of the Rays reporters saying, there's Oswaldo Arcia, three more hits tonight. He's like six for 12 in his first three games yeah. with the Rays with a home run, a couple of doubles. He's yep. just tearing the cover. And the first response – on that screenshot, so some Rays fan responding to the beat writer asks, and I'm paraphrasing this, how are the Rays able to get someone so young with so much upside for almost nothing? <laughs> right. <laughs> That's a great question. <laughs> you know, I saw you tweet about it, and I don't want to turn this into Oswaldo Arcia episode oh, number, number 4.0. We've done this so much, and, and I actually have some other things I want to talk about, but... Um, I saw your tweet this morning, Phil. This is recording on a Tuesday. You said something like, uh, you know, when RCA went three for four the other day. And I, I wrote a quick column off it because, I mean, six for 12. Like, I get it. that it's or, or it's 14 plate appearances or whatever with a couple walks. And I get it. it. You can't say anything based off 14 plate appearances. But it is kind of funny that there were some people that said this is a kind of questionable long-term move for the Twins. And so, of course, he gets off to a great start. And your tweet was something like, "It's just a uh, phase." Yeah, it's it's Don't just worry, guys. It's, it's a phase. This will pass, and RC is going back down. Isn't and then, it amazing that you're but you're sitting here hoping that it doesn't turn into David Ortiz right. light or David Ortiz just sort of say cr- two point oh. Yeah, when you could have just let it ride for the next four months, and well, then I'm, for sure, at once you get to the end of the year and there's no options left. Sure, okay, I get it. It's time to cut bait at this point. The now rubber, he's going to be twenty six. The rubber would have met the road at some point. But I think they artificially forced said meeting, you know, prematurely. So that's why I loved the response to your tweet by our buddy Pat Donnelly, who said, yeah, but Phil, the Rays are out of it this year. They're not a contending team. They can just afford to give Arcia a bunch of at-bats to see if he can... Oh, wait. Hang on a second. <laughs> yeah, that was, I was like, okay, touche. That was I, really funny. If I may be bold here... I, st- I have two things. Number one, I've yet to hear a logical, smart explanation for why he was booted off the roster other than, well, uh, you can only have so many guys on a roster. And, and you need so- bench flexibility, right? Don't right. forget that bench flexibility. And we need 19 pitchers <laughs> at any given time. I counted the other day, actually. It's 37 now. They okay, so they got an exemption pitchers. from Major League Baseball. <laughs> right. And, and the second thing is, on the only logical, reasonable explanation I can think of for why you would not just wait and see this thing through and play him every day in a lost season, they must know something that we don't know. They And I, I'm not accusing him of this, but PEDs or something behind the scenes happened or some like something in his personal... You know what I'm saying? Like there's, yeah. if, if it's something like that and the Twins just can't come out publicly and even hint what it is... That's the only reason I can think of that would make me back off and sure. say, oh, to- yeah, My sorry, yeah. didn't know that. Well, here, I'll take that stance and soften it a little bit and say that it's entirely possible that based on the stats page that we look at, and, you know, we've all seen his struggles. I'm not trying to – we've never proclaimed that he's the perfect player. He's not no. even a complete player. But I think you and I both see in a part-time role with the potential for more than that, he has – Value. I mean, can contribute value right now. And, and it's hard to forget the 2013 season, too. I think that's a big part of why we think he has such upside, how young he contributed in the big leagues. But uh, so to, to take that stance and soften it, maybe they agree with us on the stats page. And they say, yeah, you know what? You're right. I mean, 
And considering we had a couple more months to figure this thing out, yep, it, I guess it could have made sense. But they just, for whatever reason, whether it's like dislike his personality or don't think that the combination of his production plus his personality or plus his work ethic or plus the way he approaches learning, whatever it is, I'm just making things up off the top of my head, possible then they thought, yep, yeah, okay, given that, piece of the puzzle too that you and I don't have Phil and that other fans wouldn't have either. Maybe they're making ironically a more informed decision. Now it's also possible that that's totally made up and we're grasping at straws. Well, but here. again, even if you go down that path and say, well, okay, well clearly they, they always will have more information than people on the outside. Sure. And any decision that's made in sports will involve more, more information on the inside than the outside. So, right. so that's, so your point is always going to be true in that regard. But if if you if you look back at the last five or six years, even knowing that they have information that we don't have, yeah. the information they have had in the past on everyone else, whether it's Mike Pelfrey or Kevin Correa or Kurt Suzuki, right. like that that still led them down the path of wrong decisions. Yeah. How's that working? In fact, out? At almost every fork in the road, I feel like the last few years, when there's a decision to be made, they take the wrong path first guess. Okay, Kurt Suzuki. 230 average, 229 average. Two th- like he's a 230 hitter for the three years leading up to the Twins. Has a hot first couple months, and he's 30 years old. And your team is terrible. And this is the highest his value is ever going to be. And he's not a great defensive catcher. He's not a great pitch framer as long as that continues to matter before we get to an electronic strike zone. And your path is either contract extension or sell high. And they choose contract extension. Right. And he goes in the tank the next year. Phil Hughes, three-year contract, pitches well after the first year. Really the, the first really good complete season he put together as a formerly highly touted prospect. Okay, two decisions. Number one, let it ride. Or number two, reward him, give him a raise, and put a couple more years on the end of the contract. You Which, have a choice in the fork in the road. In retrospect. Wrong decision. Yeah, in retrospect, they were basically trying to lock in some more cost certainty for a commodity that had almost no certainty to it. Right. I mean, I, I get that it's pretty easy to go criticize the contract now that he's been terrible, but um, just even from a – in principle, that move strikes me as something that should be questioned and, and was questioned at the time, of course, but but now looks worse than I think even the worst yeah. uh, pessimists would have suggested. Um, I, I, I want to take that Phil Hughes angle and spin it to a different question for you. As you look ahead – We've got trade deadline coming up here yeah. in just over a month. And yeah. then whether it's Terry and the same collection running the organization or whoever whoever else would be running the organization going into 2017, we're, we're all looking into now 2017. I think there's a path to this lineup and group of position players with the young – like Kepler's getting better. I still have faith in Buxton. Snow is going to continue to hit home runs. I think you've got a collection of position players going into next year that you can live with and that could be productive. Sure. I don't see a ton of – I mean, there's there's definitely things. You want to make sure you have good outfield defense, and there's a bunch of things to untangle, but I think it's possible. I don't see a clear path to untangling the pitching staff right now. No. Because you've got so much money tied up in mediocre veterans. You've got a five-and-a-half starter staff ERA right now with basically the guys you have under contract for next year, Tyler Duffy, Kyle Gibson – Irvin right. Santana, Jose Barrios could come up and, and give you a boost in the second stint, but I don't see from bullpen to starting staff as you look ahead to whether it's trade deadline or winter, new front office or old front office, Yeah, the path to untangling the knot that is this pitching staff to me is really daunting. I do not disagree. I But 
we'll go with a, a metaphor here. You look at your garage. I guess I know you don't have like a single stall garage, but pretend with me for a second. I have. I live in a huge condo complex. My I have a Sorry. large garage. You don't get to dump yeah. things throughout your garage, but some of us have. <laughs> I mean, that. I do totally. <laughs> Everyone, oh, yeah. Everyone's just like, oh, there's Phil. Sorry, He's the guy buddy, that install 54. <laughs> he parks his barbecue in my parking spot. <laughs> um, so, all right, you got a garage. And over time, things accumulate. And you like, some of it's regrettable. And you're like, man, I, I can't even park my car in my garage anymore. I've got too much junk. I think that it's easier for someone from the outside coming in and being like, this is all crap. Get rid of this. And saying, all right, I'm going to clean out your garage for, me, for you. Uh, pay me... You know, 300 bucks for the four hours of work, and you might be missing some stuff afterwards, but, like, it's dumped in your garage. You clearly don't care about it enough to even ever take it out and look at it or use it. I will take this problem off your hands. Are you saying the twins should be featured on an episode of Hoarders? Yes, absolutely. You're hoarding mediocre pitching. <laughs> right. I know that you've had this Tyler Duffy for a long time, the last six years. And I know but... you brought up this Kyle Gibson through the minors and drafted him with a first-round pick. It's a sentimental attachment. It's it's understandable. Every organization has it. So I'm not. You spent a lot of money on that Ricky Nolasco when you were on vacation down in Miami three years ago. And then it stopped working, and you just never could throw it out. Um, <laughs> so this is where the metaphor stops. But I will say that um, very easy for me to sit here on a microphone and say this stuff. Much more difficult to actually put it into practice. But if I'm coming in, and this isn't. Trust me, this isn't like a very well-thought-out thought experiment. I, I didn't prepare this for this episode and say this is exactly what I would do to fix the Twins. So take this next suggestion for exactly what it's worth, me thinking out loud after a cup of caribou coffee. Thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode of the Touch 'Em All podcast here on 1500ESPN.com. It's Reavers asking all of you baseball fans to join us for the second annual Town Ball Classic at Target Field, Saturday, July 23rd. Tickets are only $10, and all of the proceeds go to benefit the Minnesota Twins Community Fund. I had the pleasure of playing in this game last year, and I have to tell you, it's a once-in-a-lifetime dream for all of these players. Three Town Ball games, Class A, B, and C, all three games at Target Field and all three games broadcast live on 1500 ESPN. If you want more information, just go online to twinsbaseball.com backslash townball or go to 1500 ESPN and enter the keyword townball. I could see them fixing this thing, but it would take some drastic moves that I'm not convinced would ever happen. And if I'm just thinking off the top of my head, I would trade Irvin Santana. I would try to get anything for Ricky Nolasco. And then I'm starting with a pitching staff next year of Barreos, Duffy, Hughes, Gibson, and I'm going to spend money on a free agent starter. Preferably better than all four of those guys, but that's Man. where it gets See, tough because you're, the starting you're pitching. You're six in that category with this front office. So sure. It has to be a different front office doing that for me. Of course, you could say that same thing about trading and – yeah, and development maybe. And this is going to be a tough winter for free agents starting pitching, so maybe it's a trade. But what I would try to do is focus first. You have to fix the core of the problem. All these other external things, crummy fielding at times, or like questionable base running that gets you in trouble, uh, offense that randomly goes very cold and underproduces based on what I would expect from the individuals that comprise that lineup. All of those things are, are bad things in a vacuum, and 
and have led to this to some extent. But the core, the fundamental problem this season has been how terrible their starting pitching staff has been. I think you fix that, and then either some of the other problems start to fix themselves or just don't matter as much. Mm -hmm. Suddenly it doesn't matter if Eduardo Escobar boots a ball, um, A, because you might have Jorge Polanco in the lineup, but B, because if you can get a performance like, say, Tyler Duffy pitched in the Bronx on Sunday – the best start of his career. Suddenly, these little like problems that crop up throughout a season and throughout a game matter little comparatively. And the difference from Duffy going three and two thirds and giving up six runs, and going eight innings and giving up one run is there's a there's a Grand Canyon in between those two things. And so I'd address the fundamental problem, which is starting pitching. I would find someone to head that rotation because I don't think Pereos is ready for that yet. But I think it's pretty obvious that he's ready to pitch in the big leagues. I'd get yeah, him up he, here now. He had a, he had one or two clunkers, but he's been mostly really good. Yeah, well, one one real huge clunker, and then one just what I'd call a bad start. It's not so much a clunker. I think it was like five earned runs, I want to say. But another one, he gave up seven earned runs, and I get it. There are still things he's going to have to work on. But he should be in the big leagues now working on those things for the Twins um, and and then I would try to I would create that space by getting rid of I know I like Irvin Santana he's fine he's he's decent but I don't think that he solves your problem um, and I think it's just best to free up that money use it somewhere else for the 2017 team and I think yeah if you have a starting rotation that has a good pitcher at the front a big if obviously and then it goes Barreos Duffy Hughes Gibson. Suddenly, that's looking to me like a better starting five, and I can see Duffy and Gibson both taking that step forward. Hughes is a big wild card, but you could see him performing sure. much better than he has this well, year, too. So, so here's another thing, too. You're, uh, and I've said this before on the show, as a mid-market team, as much as fans are going to bang on the poll ads and, and you're going you're gonna to want them to go out and sign an ace-caliber pitcher or make a trade for an ace-caliber, and, and let's say they even do that. As a mid-market team, you're pretty rarely going to have five ace-caliber starters like maybe the Cubs or the, the Washington Nationals have had that at various times where you've, you're just – got Joe Ross pitching fifth in your rotation. Giolito finally cracks into the show. Yeah, these guys are all just – they're filthy. Mm -hmm. So the way that you can take maybe a league average rotation, a bunch of number three, number four starters, and make them better is by converting more of those batted balls into outs with a better defense, better infield defense, better outfield defense, and the Twins haven't done that either. Sure. I just found this. So we're, all, we're halfway through the season right now. Uh, most teams have played 75, 76, 78 games or so. The best teams in baseball are, so I'm talking about defensively plus pitching staff, Cubs, Dodgers, Indians, Rangers, Cardinals, Blue Jays, Giants are in this mix, Royals, it's, it's the Nationals. That's basically the best teams in baseball are, are leading this list. Batting average on balls in play against, so your pitching staff plus your defense, what are opponent hitters, what is their batting average on balls in play against your pitchers plus your defense? And right. I, I want to qualify this, too, because I don't know how many innings that's over, but there's still got to be some element of luck, right? I We're mean, it's not 700 innings. Right, though, right. And that's, that's what I'm questioning is, like, what's the sample size that that starts to stabilize and becomes predictive? That's a pretty large sample right okay. there. I think over a half season, sure. you can tell which teams have, A, good pitching, and then, B, good defense okay. and or shifting and or scouting that converts bad balls into outs. Yeah, right? I, think, I think I could get on board with that theory. So Cubs are allowing – now, there might be on the fringes, there might be – I'm not saying there's zero luck factor. Sure. The Cubs, as a team, are allowing opposing – Hitters a 253 batting average on balls in play. This does not include home runs. All right, right. 
The Twins are at the opposite end of this list. By far dead last in baseball. Really? Allowing opponents a three twenty six batting average on balls in play. That's surprising. I guess so it shouldn't be. It's it... a combination of hard-hit balls given up by pitchers. Mm-hmm. And again, home runs are not in this equation. So if you're also giving up a bunch of home runs, which they are, <laughs> it bad. makes it even worse. Yeah. But that hard ground ball that snuck by Eduardo Nunez at shortstop mm-hmm. or that line drive to the gap that maybe Jason Hayward is tracking down for the Cubs, but Miguel Sano is coming, or Ars- Oswaldo Arcia, coming nowhere within 10 feet of. Right? Sure. Those add up over the course of a season. And in a game, you might think, Oh, man, that sucks that that ball went to the wall. Okay, mm-hmm. we'll just get the next guy. But if that happens once or twice per game or five times a week, now yeah. you're talking about maybe an extra loss per week, right. and that stuff adds up. It's a In the micro, it's a fine line, and you might not be able to tell the difference, but in the macro, the difference between the Cubs allowing a 253 BABIP and the Twins 326 is the difference between sure. the Cubs about to win 100 and the Twins about to lose 100. And, and another reason I mentioned luck, too, and that's – that's an astounding stat. I didn't know that. Um, it it also factors in I'm things like... I'm doing a job for you, Derek. Yeah, That's I know. What's I, happening. Tip of my cap to you. I appreciate <laughs> that, good sir. Now clean up your barbecue from my garage stall. Um, is the idea that uh, hits and errors are sometimes treated the same, and in that equation, they're not, of course. It's um, If a Twins player bobbles a ball and it's called a hit... That makes it worse. That so that BABIP then I would call, I would argue would be artificially high or similarly for the Cubs if they if they don't get to a hot smash that probably you know should have been a hit but the scorekeeper had a bad day the day before what whatever I mean these are all subjective decisions so that's why I look for big samples like seven hundred innings you say twelve hundred innings eighteen hundred innings because that stuff starts to smooth out you know you're going to have your hits you're going to have your errors. And it's not going to drastically swing one way or the other based on those things. Uh, I think 700 is probably big enough. Someone someone listening to this podcast might know better than me. Uh, that sample size to me seems like enough to say with some conviction that mm-hmm. the Twins are bad at giving up hits when the ball's put into play. Yeah, And that's a problem. Let's Let me flip this around real quick here. All right, I'm going to go last just since 2010. So forget about offense, and obviously scoring runs is very important. But just if you're just talking about preventing teams from getting a hit, so pre- okay. so keeping teams as a pitching staff and as a defensive collection. Half the game. Yes, preventing teams from cashing in and keeping their batting average on balls in play low. So sure. make sure you're converting batted balls into outs. It's like to use the basketball, right? You're you're going to give up a certain number of possessions. Like, other teams just going to have possessions. Yes. But you want to lower their efficiency in scoring yeah. on a per-possession basis. It's, a, it's not a race against a clock like it is in football and basketball and hockey. It's a race against outs. Exactly. And you want to be, be creating outs on defense and as pitchers, and you want to mm-hmm. be avoiding them on offense. And, and there's some losing teams mixed in here, but over the last six or seven years, your top ten in that category includes... Washington Nationals, Chicago Cubs, who are, are good now but weren't maybe in the first half of the season. Yeah. Rangers, Blue Jays, Dodgers, Angels, traditionally good. Mariners have been good the last couple of years. Giants, multiple World Series in that stretch. Athletics, multiple playoffs in that stretch. Rays, multiple playoffs in that stretch. Mm-hmm. The only bad teams in this category are Reds and Padres. Hmm. And if you flip it around, teams that allow the majority, or I guess the teams that allow more batted balls converted to hits. And this is like 10 years, you said? Uh, like a six or seven-year sample, yeah. All right. Twins, Rockies, 
Astros, who were putrid for most of this stretch. Yep. Phillies, Marlins, Brewers, Diamondbacks, hmm. and also Tigers and White Sox. Hmm. And the Tigers, of course, have, have, have come over the top of this with an offense of their own that hits a bunch yeah. of bombs, and they've had the J.D. Martinez. Right. So the moral of the story is, hey, you can, you can allow a lot of – you can have bad pitching – if you have Miguel Cabrera, J.D. Martinez, <laughs> yeah. and Victor Martinez. I think the Twins are probably, Kinsler. they might be hoping to have that. Yeah, I didn't mean to go full stat geek there, but I no. think that's one of those important little numbers that you might not, people might not see if they're sure. just watching FSN every night. That's interesting. Um, I got a couple other things that I want to talk about. Um, first is we should be giving due to your guy, Brian Dozier, who just, had a great month of, or I should say, is in the process. Mm-hmm. We still got a couple days left of June. Uh, having a great month of June. I wrote at the end of May when he was benched for a couple games in a row to kind of tweak some things, work on his mechanics. I wrote a column that was. Uh, some people said it was inflammatory. Some people said I was taking too strong of a stance. But I look back on it and I still feel comfortable with every word written, which basically said. If Brian Dozier's tweaks don't take hold, if he can't fix what's happened here the last, you know, almost calendar year at that point, he should be sent to the minors. He should be in the minor leagues working on this. And in response to those tweaks and that benching, all Brian Dozier has done, and these numbers are even better because at the time I wrote this column, he was about to go uh, two for four with another home run. His numbers in June were 315 batting average. A 398 on base percentage, which is fantastic, especially when you're talking about a position that traditionally doesn't have a lot of offense. And here's where it gets even better a 568 slugging percentage. So basically, Brian Dozier is making all stars look bad the past month. Um, sort of making a mockery of my suggestion that he should be in yeah, the minor the motivator. leagues. Yeah, you, well, are the, you are the straw that stirs the drink. I'm not quite ready to go there. He, uh, you know he sat there and stewed over your column on an off day I am, in Seattle or something. I am convinced that Brian Dozier is not a regular visitor to 1500ESPN.com, <laughs> nor is he any longer a frequent listener of yeah. the Touch em All podcast. Probably not. But he's having a great month of June. It's I think 344 the, now in the month of, month of June, really? by the way, with, with five home runs and 15 RBIs. So, I, have, I have a yeah, but in a second here. Okay, well, and I want to hear it. I do think his defense has taken a little step up. I think he's running better than I saw him running last year. Um, he's still pulling a lot of things. He does get a couple hits up the middle or the other way, which other people are making a, a big deal out of, but... Um, actually, Parker Hageman did a great breakdown, I think, on, I think it was twinsdaily.com, about, no, 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 Dozier's still pulling the ball. He's just doing it much more effectively. And Fangraphs wrote a piece, too, um, Eno Saris. I think that's how you say his name. I've never had to say it out Who, loud. Say Eno Saris is a uh, Fangraphs. Oh, um, yeah, it's uh, one of those right. I, I've, I've seen him. You've seen times. the byline a hundred times, and anyway, that's the first time I've had to say it out loud, so... Sorry if that was incorrect, but well, he wrote about Dozier's sort of how he's still getting around the ball. You remember we talked in spring training about how he's retraining his swing path, and he still sort of um, stubbornly just wants to pull everything. Well, the last month, anyways, it's working out pretty well for him. But I believe, I believe I saw this, and this might be different now. I think he has six or seven hits to the right of second base in the month of June. Okay, and um, if you so if you take those away just for fun, now we're in the we're into the two seventy range for the month of June. So that sure. so hitting the ball to opposite field with authority. We're not just talking about accidental check swing pop ups like you'll Spence. see sometimes. We're seeing drives to the gap and line drive down the line for a triple at one point. 
the ability to also mix that in takes you from what would be a pretty good month, like, okay, 270 with some home runs to left field with pretty good month for him. Now, using all parts of the field, at least more than he was in the first two months, sure. puts him into crazy offensive month category. Yeah. Well, and I, I think that's how it's always going to be with Dozier. We've argued about him in the past. I remember in spring training, we sort of, that was one of the first things I think we disagreed on this podcast is what Dozier's upside was and those kinds of things. And I think he's always just going to be a guy who can punish fastballs. He can pull things with authority, with the best in the world, by the way. And then if he can add a couple of crumbs to that salad by going to right, by going up the middle, then he'll be a pretty good hitter. And if he can't, well, he's going to be a one-dimensional guy. Pitching staffs will figure out how to exploit him and not give in to his strengths. I give Dozier and hitting coach Tom Brunanski credit for this month of June for, like, is it going to last? I mean, is he going to be a 400 on base guy with a 570 slugging? Probably not. I'm willing to bet that he is not that guy long term. But he did make a critical adjustment. He was um, sort of reflective. He, he was introspective in, all right, you know, this is a real problem, and it should be addressed. Instead of just saying, I don't know what you guys are talking about. There's no problem here. They addressed that there was a problem. They came up with a fix, and at least in the short term, it's working. So I, I give a lot of credit there. In a bad season, to see good signs from a guy who formerly made the All-Star yeah. team, I would say it's a good thing for the Twins. I think starting next week, we should be looking more into what they might be doing in July leading up to the trade deadline. Yeah. Um, and, and kind of looking at who, who's going to be on this roster beyond July 31st and into next season. Dozier is a really tough one to figure out. Totally agree. Because he's such a schizophrenic Jekyll and Hyde player. You, you don't know if he's going to give you what he gave you in the first half last year. I mean, for him, if you look at, for instance, Joe Maurer throughout most of his career up until a couple of years ago would rarely give you the month where he's, I don't think he would ever give you the month where he's hitting 190 for a full month. He was always 250 in the bad months and 400 in the good months and would, would never give you the, the terrible month. Dozier just this year alone is a great microcosm for who he is as a player, which is untrustworthy. At the end of the year, you look at the numbers and say, okay, we'll live with that at the end of the year, but holy cow. That yeah. was a roller coaster ride to get there. Sure. Okay. I mean, just look at this year alone. In the month of April, he batted 191 with a 617 OPS, which is almost unusable. Oh, unless would, you're an elite defensive player. That's it's, unusable. Yeah. It's terrible. We can agree. And, and by the way, May wasn't much different. It was a little better in the on base, worse in the slugging department. It was a 632 OPS. So he goes from 617 and 632, barely able to swing his way out of a wet paper bag, to now in June, he's. Harmon Killebrew, like yeah. he's yeah. 344, 413, and I wouldn't be shocked if he did this for another two or three months or for the rest of the season, sure. or if he turned back and hit 150 in the month of August. He's very hard to figure out. I would say another layer of intrigue to the should the Twins trade Brian Dozier, which could just be the title of a podcast sometime, sure. Jorge Polanco, or should I say future Twins second baseman Jorge Polanco? Couldn't the Twins treat Jorge Polanco like the aforementioned Cubs are treating a lot of their infielders, which is we know you're not a great shortstop, mm -hmm. so you're not going to play there every day. Mm -hmm. You're going to play third, short, second. Chris Bryant last night, one of the best young hitters in baseball, and he had, like I said, three homers and two doubles last night. He played three different positions mm -hmm. in that game. Okay. And it didn't screw him up mentally. Yeah. He wasn't lost, and he wasn't, oh, my God, i got to mentally prepare to play left field now. He was fine. He's yeah. a baseball player. They've built a culture where it's okay to play three different positions in one game. Sure. You'll still be able to hit like you normally hit. He is older. Uh, maybe that changes the math. But also, um, I think 
more complicated than the Dozier Polanco dynamic is the Escobar Nunez Plouffe Sano Polanco dynamic, right? I mean, there's five guys that theoretically should be playing two different positions. Five guys that should share third base or shortstop, and the rest are extra players. Um, the Twins are going to have to figure that out, I think. I mean, I don't know that you come to that answer easily this year, but uh, Nunez has to be the first guy you're circling saying, this is a prime trade candidate. Um, would you like to have him as an extra player next year? Yeah. I mean, even last year, he was a great bench bat. You'd love to have that player around. But I if somebody you want will... more guys like him, then you sure. want more guys like him if you can, depending on what teams are going to give up. I right. would lean toward keeping him personally. Okay, fair enough. And that could be another podcast title, Should the Twins Trade Eduardo Nunez? I think that they should if you're going to get some team to give up what would be the equivalent package of someone they deem worthy of being a starting shortstop or starting third baseman. Man, that would be hard for me to pass up not fully believing. I definitely believe in the season Nunez has put together. It's been incredible. But I don't believe that uh, Nunez and I have had a lot of conversations about this. You know, what have you changed this year? What's How is this going so well? I don't believe the line of, well, they're just playing me more, so I feel more comfortable. Um, I, I am maybe too skeptical in some regards, but I'm skeptical that he keeps up uh, this level of performance or even even anywhere close enough to justify keeping him. So um, that's that's going to be the most interesting dynamic probably for the rest of the season is where does Nunez go? How do the rest of the pieces fit after that? And a parallel conversation to be had, where does Miguel Sano go? And how do the rest of the pieces fit around that? Because the biggest thing you can blame the Twins for this winter was not building their lineup around Sano, but rather building their lineup and then saying, Oh shoot! Well, where do we fit Sano in? Mm-hmm. It's clear to me that they don't—they didn't, anyways. This winter, treat him like the sort of cornerstone player that I think he can become. Instead, they sort of shoehorned him into a spot because they couldn't find another place for him because the rest of the puzzle pieces didn't fit. Um, pretty easy to blame them for the way that this has turned out in light of that. And so, those are the two—the two sort of dynamics that I'm watching the rest of the season to see. All right, you built this mess. Now, how do you build your way out? And you'll have to just fill me in on all that stuff because I'll be watching the Cubs. <laughs> Stay tuned for 60 second AP News headlines.